Welcome to the F1 Stop Show. I'm your host, Samuel Oni, and with me is Wes Spearman. Wes, how are you this evening? Yeah, pretty good. Spent a, a lot of today watching the rainfall, unfortunately, but it's to be, as soon as we get to September, it starts raining, which isn't ideal, um, given it's cricket season for, for another month still. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. Thank you. Yeah, not too bad. Um, yeah, like you said, summer's over. Um, <laughs> autumn's here. I mean, I love autumn because of the leaves, but seeing the rain is, you know, different. Anyway, so, F1, Dutch Grand Prix. They always say when you arrive at your home race, you have home advantage, right? You're most likely to win. So in the football, when you're at home, you, you're most likely to win, home team. And uh, in F1, Max Verstappen, Dutch, Belgium, whichever nationality he is, he just seems to have the crowd behind him. And, uh, you know, home soil, home winning Zandvoorts. And, uh, well, what do you make of it? Another, yeah, another brilliant drive from Verstappen. Um, I'm not saying dominant this time because I don't think it was that dominant. I mean, he was still pretty convincing um in terms that he won it by a good, a good few seconds from russell in second who was getting another good few seconds up the road from leclerc in third um but i feel like he had to actually work at points in in the race for for the win um it's battle hamilton at, at um at points who was potentially on for his first race win of, of the year um yeah i think uh, how many stops did they do? The end? like three stops, I think it was. <laughs> it was at least two, I think, if not three. Um, I don't think we've seen a proper strategic race like that where things chopping and changing um, qu- quite regularly uh, throughout the race for for quite a while. Um, it was good to see how sort of interesting to see how all the teams reacted to um, who was at first. I think it was Sonoda first, um, retire, and then Bottas um, stopping for another issue on, on the way straight before the first corner, not an ideal place to stop. Um, yeah, how those two uh, retirements affected uh, the Grand Prix and, and the team strategy was, was quite interesting. And some teams played it better, like like Red Bull, Ferrari, other teams, Mercedes, not so much. So, um, so then here we are. Max just happened again. I mean, I think at this point, I said last week um, in Japan, I think he's going to, you know, that's where he's going to be crowned, um, you know, world champion. But looking at the table, Max Verstappen, he's 109 points ahead of his rival, Charles Leclerc. And including, well, the next four races in Japan, Singapore, I believe, um, can't remember Italy, next week. Italy. Oh, Italy. Sorry, Italy and one other race. He could yeah, essentially. So. He could yeah. He could essentially go on holiday, and uh, relax, miss the four races, and he'd probably still be in front. Provide oh, he, he he would still be in front. <laughs> but even if Charles Leclerc wins the next, as you say, the next four races, even if he wins with a faster slap points, so that's twenty twenty uh, six points per race. He'll, he'll still be five points behind Verstappen <laughs> when it comes to uh, around what will it be round twenty when they go to Mexico um, at the end of October. So Matt Verstappen could go on holiday for just under two months, and 
and still lead the the drivers championship um i think it's just a, it's, it's a bit of a foregone conclusion now who who's going to win the world championship there's mm. no doubt it will be max Verstappen. it's just a case of how quickly can he wrap up the championship because i mean the more races he wins the more points he's going to gain on leclerc because or, or Perez even whoever <laughs> comes second out of those two because I know the the more interesting battle now in the championship is is who is going to get second place. Um, got the drivers standing up here; they're both level on two hundred and one points. Uh, Charles Leclerc and Sergio Perez. Russell not too far behind as well on one eighty eight. Don't count the, him as... out. Don't count him out. <laughs> because, Russell. Yeah, I mean, if he if Russell does something absolutely magnificent, like out of the blue, say win a race and Charlotte, you know, doesn't finish in the podium places, then, you know, we could see Russell in top two, top three, maybe. Potentially, yeah. I would like to see that. I would love to see George Russell top three in the, in the driver's standings. Um, I don't think it's going to happen, though, just because Red Bull and, and um, Ferrari are just that little, little bit quicker than Mercedes this year. But, I mean, if we see something like, well, like, Ferrari have been doing the last few weeks messing up strategy, reliability, driver error, whatever. Um, George Russell is for me the most consistent driver on the grid this year, with possible exception of Verstappen, who just goes on to win everything. Um, yeah, he's finished every race Russell has finished, he has been in the top five. And yes, he had one DNF, whatever it was, first half of the season somewhere. But that is a remarkable effort for his his first season at Mercedes. He's outscoring and and out qualifying at times. Sir Lewis Hamilton, who's a seven time world champion, um, and even this weekend, Mercedes put him on a more favourable strategy, pitting him for those soft tyres under that second safety car, whereas they kept Hamilton out, who was pretty cheesed off with the fact that Mercedes bring the. I don't know if you heard the the radio message that. Um, Hamilton said to the team near the race, but yeah, they had to bleep a lot of it out. He wasn't a happy, he wasn't yeah. a happy man with um, with Mercedes M. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to see Russell get into the to the top three. And yeah, if he could keeps on producing podium results like he has been, like like the second in Zandvoort, um, then yeah, I don't see any reason why he can't. If he again consistently finishes top five and outscores Perez and Leclerc on on a few occasions, then he's well in for that. Willing for that battle for, for second and third in the championship. Ferrari, are, um, we all thought this 2022 season would be Ferrari season. I thought it would be as well. I mean, following them very closely. But if we were to sum up their season in three words, just three words, what would it be? <laughs> three words. Um... I know it's difficult. I suppose disappointed, but not, oh no, that's forwards. <laughs> disappointed, but not surprised. Um, yeah, I think disappointed has got to be one of them. Um, mistakes. Yeah. Um, and quick. Because they are, they are still quick. They're still the second best, well, the second quickest car on the grid, I think. But it's just mistake after mistake after mistake. Certainly in the last, what, four or five, or possibly even six Grand Prix. Um, I mean, Leclerc's had. I mean, how many times do we keep mentioning Leclerc's mistakes? It's um, Imola and France, um, uh, sciences strategy at um, Australia. Or first or for first pit stop. Um, or just just last weekend at Zandvoort, when they took forever to find 
uh, I think it was like the, the left rear wheel or something. One of the wheels they had to wait a long time to, to actually put on. Um, yeah, that cost him potentially a, a place or two in the Grand Prix. Um, there was there was another mistake I think the week before in Spa. I can't remember. Can't remember what, but um, yeah, there, there's there's a lot of errors that Ferrari have made, whether it be strategy or driver error or just I suppose bad luck in a way with reliability, oh. like like um, was it science in Austria? Um, where his engine blew up, and I think Leclerc's had a reliability retirement as well. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, off off the start of the season, we were thinking, oh hello, could we have a, another championship where Ferrari are are in the mix? Um, but yeah, that's just come undone. I mean, in, even in the first half of the season, we could see that Verstappen was a clear front runner, and more, much more so than Leclerc. And yeah, the Ferrari have just slipped further back, and yeah, now pretty much nowhere in, in the drivers or constructors championship. I mean, it is rather dis- very disappointing. Um, had high hopes for the team this year, but just I, I think. Like you said, mistakes, you know, sloppy and quick. Um, I don't know, maybe the strategies that they were putting on each of their drivers, some have been like indecisive, like they haven't really, they, they almost don't really trust their strategy to make mm. these. It's like they have so many backup plans, so like plan D, plan E, plan F, plan G, whatever. Surely you don't need that many strategies for race because you know you're going to be at the front and if there's a, if there's a safety car or yellow flags or virtual safety car around this period of the race then move to plan C, D, whatever um, and so on but you don't need 10 different strategies for one race. Surely that's just overcomplicating things at that point. Um, I was looking at Red Bull, they've kept things relatively simple. Um, if you take Zandvoort for example there was a uh, was there a safety car really on the Sonoda crash? There, there, uh, no, there was a virtual safety car. They pitted, got Verstappen onto the hard for the one stop and then reacted well when uh, the safety car was brought out for Bottas's retirement. Put Verstappen onto the softs pretty much straight away and off he went from from there on. Um, so I mean, Ferrari did pretty much the same, I think, but certainly in, in other races this year, their strategy has been, been pretty poor. I mean... Spa, for example, putting pitting Leclerc on the penultimate lap to try and get fastest lap, and then Leclerc not then getting that fastest lap and missing out um, on was it third, fourth, fifth from Alonso or something. Um, yeah, there's there's been loads of question marks about Ferrari's strategy uh, this year, and I suppose for for a number of years, I mean, we see all the memes about them um, on social media, but. Um, yeah, they're they're going to need to pull their act together if they if they want to win any more races this season for for starters, and if they want to be serious contenders for, for the championship next year. Well, if they want to win any more races, they have six, seven opportunities, um, starting with Italy this weekend, their home race. But before we jump, before we go to Italy, um, let's talk about Alpha Tauri's. Uh, this is a unusual one. Alfa Dari released a statement on uh about um Sonoda's retirement. I don't I don't know much about that one. Maybe you can shed some light on it. Yeah, I saw was it this morning or yesterday? Um Alpha Tari put out a statement um 
It's, it's incredibly disheartening to read some of the language and comments directed at our team and towards Red Bull Racing's head of strategy, Hannah Schmitz. Such hateful, hateful behaviour cannot be tolerated and to entertain accusations of foul play is unacceptable, untrue and completely disrespectful towards both Hannah and us. And then it uh, goes on about sort of respect and sportsmanship and all that stuff. Um, but I think what was happened, um, I wasn't paying too much attention to social media on race day. Um, but I think what happened is that some fans from well, fans of teams, drivers um, against Red Bull as a whole, basically, obviously, AlphaTauri being their sort of sister team, Julia team, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think some of them think that Sonoda's retirement was not necessarily on, on purpose, but well, where he parked was affected another driver or another team's race in a way that, that would help Red Bull, similar to the... Uh, I think it was the 2008 Singapore Grand Prix where Renault told uh, Nelson Piquet Jr. to purposely crash so Alonso could uh, benefit later on in the race and then went on to win the race. I'm not that's what, so that's right. That. So that bit in 2008, that's almost it's, like match fixing, if you like. Essentially, yeah. I think that's basically what some people were accusing Alpha Tari and Red Bull of doing this weekend, which is a ludicrous accusation to make I don't believe it for a second um, I, I don't know what sparked or what prompted those sorts of comments but yeah to, the fact that Alpha Tower had to release that statement is pretty disappointing and it's I mean social media is great for some things but at other times it, it can create quite a, a toxic environment and that's what we don't want it to become we don't want the F1 community to become and I think certainly over the last couple of years, I think from stuff I've seen on Twitter, Instagram, whatever, Facebook, some of the comments have been, it's almost like a war between say Red Bull fans, Mercedes fans. I mean, sparked by, I suppose last year, given how tense the, the whole season was really, and obviously Abu Dhabi. Um, yeah. That spilled over into this season when there's really no need for it. I think 2021 is done. We've got new cars this year, new regulations. Mercedes are nowhere. It's Ferrari, Verstappen, Red Bull. There's no need for such toxicity in form of one or social media. So, yeah, the fact that AlphaTauri had to put, put out that statement is is, is quite disappointing for, as, as an F1 fan. So, just to round off uh, Danforth, there was a bit of a funny, funny moment here so, with um, Sebastian Vettel in his uh, Aston Martin car. As you know, the German four-time world champion will be retiring at the end of the season. But, uh, he, well, he was coming out of the pit lane on a lap, whatever it was, and um, he wasn't almost wasn't aware of his whereabouts on track. And uh, he had um, a certain Sir Lewis Hamilton and uh, Sergio Perez behind him. Almost holding up the two drivers if you like yeah, it was quite funny watching it back um you have Perez and Hamilton going wheel to wheel I think Perez or Hamilton tried for an overtake on Perez on I think it was around about lap 36 35 something like that yeah um Hamilton went for an overtake around the outside of turn one which you can quite easily do given the the banking of, of the corners at Zandvoort but Perez locked up the both ran wide and Perez kept the lead for for the rest of that lap and then the next next lap, 36, 37, whatever. Um, Hamilton made made the overtake on Perez. 
around turn one and <laughs> in the pit lane or to the right-hand side, you have Sebastian Vettel just emerging and taking the high line into turn two, which is where Hamilton was going. So you just see Hamilton have to slam on the brakes to not hit Vettel and Perez have to slam on the brakes as well to not hit Hamilton. And I think Perez tried to take the lower the, the lower route, essentially the shorter route around the corner. Um, yeah, it was quite funny that um, Vettel had that info because I mean he was a lapped car essentially but he was coming out of the pit lane and yeah as you say probably wasn't quite aware of that um, two drivers were battling for what I think was second place at, at that point so um, yeah it was yeah a, a funny a funny incident to, to round off the review and um, on the podium there you have it it was Max Verstappen George Russell big well done to him and uh, Charles Leclerc of Ferrari wrapping up third place. Um, so after all of that Zanfort drama, Max Verstappen getting into 30th F1 win at home, how would you rate the race out of 10? I really enjoyed it. I think just because it had that element of strategy in it and it wasn't, um, it, was, it was just a good race. There weren't, I mean, there were two retirees, but again, they played a huge part in the strategy and how different teams played it out. Um, I'd probably give it a, a seven and a half or an eight, I think. Quite liked it just because, I mean, that element of strategy, I feel like we've seen a lot of sort of boring one stops, two stops, not much sort of tire deck, but um, even even if there's just an incident or, or two, like we saw in Zandvoort, that does spice things up a bit and um, definitely definitely showed last weekend, I think. I think I agree with you. Everything that that you said, it wasn't an eye opener, but there was there was yeah. a little bit of stuff that we love to enjoy as fans. Seven out of ten, I think is sensible enough. So this weekend, we are off to Italy, and uh, Monza to be precise. The Italian Grand Prix, or as they say, the Temple Speed, because of its great straight, you know, and uh, yeah. Ferrari's home race, they're really gonna have to get their act together. One of my favorite, favorite tracks on the on the grid, on the calendar. Sorry. Um, so, what what are you expecting from Italy then? What are you expecting from the race? Who I'm who are your standouts? Sure who are your big names <laughs> besides Max Verstappen? Yeah, besides Verstappen, obviously. <laughs> um, it, it, it would, I'd just love to see Ferrari win their home Grand Prix. And just going back to, I think it was 2019, that, that great line from Crofty on, on an old commentary saying, Leclerc, he, he, he won in Spa, he wins in Monza. Just brilliant, brilliant few lines right from Leclerc leading into, into Parabolica and then as he crosses the line. Then, um, yeah, the last two years of the, of the Italian Grand Prix have thrown up. Um, some oddities, I suppose. Pierre Gasly winning in 2020 and a McLaren won two last year. So who knows what to expect for? Could George we, Russell could we see Mercedes? Could we see a Mercedes? George Russell, we George Russell yeah. win the race? Um, potentially, who knows? Could we see Lando Norris get his first? First one, he was right up in the mix at Zandvoort uh, last weekend as well. Um, I think it, I mean, realistically speaking, um, I think it, it probably will be Verstappen. I'm going to go Verstappen, uh, Leclerc for a one-two um, with Russell to round out the podium. I think. Okay. Um, yeah, as much as I'd like Ferrari to win their home Grand Prix, and 
as amazing it will be, I just think they, they don't have the pace of the Red Bull and Verstappen at the moment is is just on fire. So yeah, mm-hmm. Verstappen first, you know, say second, Leclerc second, and uh, Russell P three. Yeah. Okay. I think. Yeah, I think I agree with you on that one. I think that will be a pretty much the most most likely outcome. Um, what do you remember from last year's race? Because last year, well, I think I think it, I think it was as you said, the, the McLarens guys won it last year. Um, but I think the biggest talking point of last year's race was the uh, collision between Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen, where Hamilton's car, it, no, Verstappen's car went on top of Hamilton's head, Hamilton's halo yeah. area. And, uh, well, that was quite a scary moment for the Mercedes driver. Yeah, I mean, if if Red Bull hadn't messed up their pit stop on in that race, then Verstappen would have had no need to make that move. He would have been in front of Hamilton outright after Hamilton made his pit stop the lap after. I mean, it was only be- it was only because Red Bull had a slow pit stop and Verstappen had a, a, a slow pit stop that he felt like he had to make that move. He had to be alongside Hamilton going into the first chicane. Otherwise, game over, he would have lost the race. Um, but yeah, I think that point in the season was when things boiled over a little bit because it was just so tense. I can't remember what the who was leading, what the gap was at that point, but it was just such a, a huge moment in the season. Um you know, obviously both drivers got zero points out of it. There was quite an argument between Red Bull and Mercedes whose fault it was essentially. Um probably more of a Stappen's fault than Hamilton's. Um, but yeah, th- I mean, this year I don't think we'll see anything like that. I mean, Verstappen won't need to make a move like that because he's not under the pressure of being challenged for the drivers' championship. So he has, he has that pressure off um, first, and he, again, just so much quicker than anyone else on the grid at the moment. Um, but yeah, last year was was a bit of a weird one because, as like we said, McLaren got a one-two. The two title contenders were knocked each other out of the race. Um, Bottas won the sprint race. Um, I think Ricardo was second or third in the sprint race as well. Mm. Um, yeah, it was just weird and, and strange when for a race that's not a, a wet race as well to see midfield teams like like McLaren properly battling for podiums. I mean, even the year before, you had Science second or third. I think it was. Uh, in 2020 when Gasly won. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'd love to see that happen again, whether it be McLaren or an Alpine or um, Aston Martin, Alfa Romeo, whoever, <laughs> challenge for, for a top five spot, then that'd be brilliant. But um, yeah, Mon's been, it's, it's been yeah, a bit of a weird one <laughs> in recent years. Well, hopefully the Italian Grand Prix this weekend will provide as much excitement as it did <clears throat> as McLaren getting a one-two with uh, Danny Rick taking the top podium spots. So uh, how do you predict the Italian Grand Prix panning out? Um, give us your predictions and your top five and your driver of the day. <laughs> um, I've got my top three already. Verstappen, Leclerc, Russell. Um, I'm going to go Perez P4 and... Hamilton P5. I reckon science is something's going to happen with science. I reckon 
um, or certainly one of the Ferraris, I think. Um, it's just be a bit, bit, bit more heartbreak for, for the Tifosi. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I'd like to see, as I just said, one of the McLarens. I mean, I'd love to see Danny Rick get points again um, in the McLaren at Monza. Um, let's see Norris up in there as well. Um, Ocon, Alonso, any of those midfield teams, if they can sneak in, sneak into the top five, top six, then yeah, that that would be that would be pretty good. Or top four, even <laughs> podium, perhaps. As you said, we just don't really know Monza in recent years. Um, driver of the day, uh, I'm going to go Charles Leclerc. Okay, not a home race, but obviously home race for the for the team. And I, I, just, I can just feel he's he's going to have a good race, but not a stellar race. I mean, Verstappen, I think, will be pretty much lights the flag. Yeah, um, I can see Leclerc starting maybe sort of a P4, P5, and having to battle his way up up into second. Yeah, battle Russell, battle Perez, battle Hamilton, uh, battle Science, perhaps. <laughs> um, yeah, Charles Leclerc for driver of the day. Okay, not bad. Um, my as for my top five, well, my top three is the same. Um, Verstappen, Russell, Charles Leclerc. I think Charles Leclerc might. Have a decent race. He won't have it easy. Maybe, like you said, getting past his teammate Perez, Hamilton. Um, yeah. As for P four and P five, P four, Hamilton. I'd say Hamilton P four. I think he, he he might be able to, you know, have a great race for him and the Mercedes team. And then Sergio Perez just to wrap up the top five. Um, science, however, he might not have a good race, in my opinion. I'm thinking <laughs> Norris. <laughs> I like how we've both just got we've both just ditched science. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, he's gonna have a terrible race, he's not gonna get anyone either. Um, <laughs> honestly, I think Lando Norris might finish on top of uh, ahead of Carlos Science. So, science might finish as low as seven, if you like, but uh, yeah, that's the. That's how I see the Italian Grand Prix, you know, panning out. So last season it was the McLaren one two. Who's it gonna be this season? For Red Bull, Ferrari. Could we get a midfield team like Alpine? Who knows? Um, so we hope you've enjoyed this episode of the F One Stop Show. Twenty five episodes, ladies and gents. Twenty five episodes. Uh, I've been your host. Sam Oni, and uh, it's a goodbye from me. Bye-bye. And it's a goodbye from Wes. Bye-bye. And we hope you enjoyed the Italian Grand Prix this weekend.